You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We are in a series called Deeper into Galatians. Now, the last couple weeks, we've had some amazing people speaking, and I, want, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed reading the Word. Do you enjoy reading the Word? Okay, that's good. That's good news, because we're going to read the Word today. We're going to finish this. We're going to land the plane on this letter to the region known as Galatia, and we're going to start by reading from Galatians 6. So if you would stand to your feet, we want to stand as we read the Word just to honor the power of the Word, the authority of the Word today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 6. If you have your devices, go to Galatians 6 and pull up ESV, English Standard Version. Is anybody there today? How many people have a real Bible, hardcore Bible, a hardcore, a hard copy Bible? Anybody? How many? That's good. I had friends came in and they said, we've never seen so many hardcore, hardcover Bibles. And I thought, well, that's good. So hardcore or hardcover, whatever it is, here we go. Brothers, verse one, chapter six. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so to fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also will he reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Be far from it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk in this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me to trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, Amen. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We ask that you awaken our spirit to receive the word of God today, not just to receive it, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of Jesus today. I pray right now for anyone that's here that is going through something, something that feels dark, heavy, feels insurmountable. It feels like a mountain you can't you can't climb. I pray right now that hope would arise in you today. That as we speak the word and we go through this today, may hope arise in you that cannot be quenched by the troubles of life. In Jesus' name, shout amen. 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 Have a seat if you would, and we'll get started here today. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we're going through. Over these last few weeks, we've been talking about the book of Galatians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a region. And we can pretty much break this into three parts. Chapters 1 and 2 would be the section that Paul talks about his personal life. 
He's essentially defending his position, his relationship to the Old Testament law and now his experience with Christ. Many of you know, Paul used to be Saul. He persecuted the church. And so now he's giving his credentials. He said, look, I know all the law and this is why. I've, I've gone toe-to-toe with Peter. I, I know a thing or two. In chapters three and four, this would be the doctrinal part of the letter. This is where Paul talks about being saved by Christ, not by works. This is a huge revelation that needs to be defended because Paul sees it creeping into the church. And chapters five and six are the practical part. What does this doctrine lead to? It leads to good works. If you love Jesus, good works come out of you. It just happens. That's part of the fruit. But this is a different Paul than normal. And if you read other letters that Paul wrote, he's, he's very encouraging. You know, hey, I'm going to send Timothy and, and Barnabas. We're, we, we, oh, I love you guys. Thanks for this. Is, he goes right in. Chapter one goes right in to like enough is enough. Paul is upset and he has had enough. Have you ever had enough? Have you ever had enough? Where you ever been to a place where you're just like off filter? That's Paul in this letter. He's writing because he had enough because he's seen too many people coming into the church distorting the message of the gospel. Paul realized if there's anything I'm going to get angry about, it's the gospel. I will defend the gospel to my death. Think about that for a moment. A man who went and persecuted Christians is now one of the biggest proponents to the gospel. He's speaking with harshness because he's going against legalism and he's encountering grace. He's going against condemnation and he's instilling restoration. That is the gospel. The gospel is good news. Did you know that? It's, how many need good news today? How, how many feel like we are in a deficit when it comes to good news? Paul is giving you good news, and he's adamant about it. So the key scripture I want to marinate on today is Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Very heavy language here. Paul's saying, don't get it twisted. That's what he would say if he was in 2023. Don't get it twisted. Don't get me angry. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. What? If we do not give up. So today, before I give you the title of my message, over the last couple weeks, five weeks, we've had multiple messages, and I felt like, let me give you an audio recap of the titles of our message. Maestro, if you would. You could turn this up. Come on now. That was chapter one. There you go. Chapter two, my lovely wife, Leanne. Some of you are like, is this really happening in church right now? It really is happening, guys. Eric Morris brought us this. It takes two. Come on now. I can see the sinners right now before my eyes. <laughs> Last week, Linde brought us this song and this message. A giant comet is headed to Earth, and all we can do is sing. Pastor Josh brought this last week. Hottest mixtape in the world. Oh, there you go. Who would have thought a white boy like Josh would bring in vogue to a church like this? Pre 
your mind. Don't make you dance. Okay. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one. Today I want to bring you the title of my message is Sowing the Seeds of Love by Tears for Fears. Come on now. Anybody remember this? Anyone at all? Come on. Some of you are like, I didn't listen to this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for that. Some of you will never be coming back again. I just heard Janet Jackson, Fuji's, and Rob Bass at church. Now, if you're Paul and you're writing the titles of each one of these chapters, you would be living in between 1986 and 1998. For many of you in this room, you've never heard any of those songs, and I hope you never tell me that to my face. Okay? Young people. I can't believe I just said that. I just, I might as well join Sage now, right? And I just, young people. It's out of my message is sowing the seeds of love. And that's what Paul would be doing here. Now, I want you to understand again, let's go back to this. This is one continual letter. Now, we broke it over six weeks, but we need to remind ourselves that this letter is a continuous thought. And so as we sew these different titles and these different themes together, the interesting line that I see in Galatians 6 is this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. This is strong language. Now, we read it through our lens of Christianity today. But you got to realize, when you get this letter from Paul, you open up this letter and go, Paul, what is going on with you? Somebody needs to send Paul on a vacation. Dude is hangry. Somebody feed this dude. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Why is he saying this? Because whatever you sow, listen to me, will grow. And I believe that God is speaking through Paul to us today. That this principle of sowing and reaping, did you know it's all throughout the word? Did you know that? Like everywhere we go, how many would say they're a farmer? Raise your hand if you farm. Denny, please raise your hand. Denny, that's you. Thank you. Okay, one person. Two people. Good, thank you. In the first service, nobody did. And I was like, I'm going to end the message right now because the rest of it doesn't matter. How many have a plant at home? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have seen a tree? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. We can do this. Did you know there is a principle in nature that is demonstrated in the supernatural? It's this law of sowing and reaping. And I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to look them in the eye and say, you are a farmer. Look at them. You're a farmer. Some of you are going to head out to Tractor Supply, get yourself some overalls and a pitchfork. Tim's going to go home and get a, a shovel or something, start digging a tree, digging a hole out for a tree. I don't know. But here's the deal. You may not know this, and you may have a horrible green thumb. Maybe what you plant dies the next day. But I want you to know, every one of us is a farmer. You plant seeds. Listen to me. You plant seeds with your words, your deeds, and your thoughts. It's what you say, it's what you do, and it's what you think. And right now, you're planting seeds. And those seeds, this is what Paul would say, do not get this twisted. What you sow, you will reap. And so I believe Paul is saying to us today, we got to fix our farming. We got to fix your farming. Even though you didn't know you were a farmer, if you're from like me from New Jersey, you're like, wait, what's a farm? Here we are. We're going to do it. 
But here's what I want you to know. I did a little research on farming and you know, yeah, yeah, we need, we need fertilizer and we need rain and we need sun and we need good soil and all that stuff. But here's some things you may not have realized. You actually, farmers, I read this. It says land preparation. There's preparation and anticipation. Pr land preparation is what's the state of your land before planting? Listen to me. Is there any evidence of disease from previous cultivated crops that you need to take measures to prepare the land for the new crop? Oh, let me put it this way. Some of you missed what I'm talking, where I'm going here. I will say it this way. Your past plays a part in your crop. Your past plays a part in what you sow and what you reap. But then there's this thing called anticipation of attack. Pests and viruses attacks, they can occur at any stage of crop planting. You'll need to get familiar. Ooh, I like this. I'm reading it right now. Get revelation with the symptoms of an attack and arm yourself with both preventative measures and actions that can be taken in the event of attack. Your future plays a part in your harvest. So your past plays a part in what you reap and your future plays a part in what you harvest. It's in the natural and it's also in the supernatural. The fruit that you produce is evident of a deeper root. Did you know that? That's what Paul would be saying here. It's like, look, all the fruit that you're seeing, there's something in the root. He's saying the things that we add to the gospel will cause issues. Did you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? He rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And all you have to do to receive everlasting life and salvation is receive Jesus. There is no rosary, there's no prayer, there's no amount of tithe checks that you can do to earn salvation. Did you know that? You can't be good enough because you will never be good enough. But the reality is, is he was good enough and he covered every one of your sins, the things you're doing right now and the things you're going to do tomorrow. That's the good news. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying mixing faith in Jesus with any other stuff is going to produce wrong fruit. How many of you have seen the effect of a bad root in some of the plants around your house, outside? Let's say this. How many know there was a freeze that took place in the wintertime? Remember that? Now, some of you realized in the spring, that little bush that you had in front of the house, he never came back. You know what I mean? So some of you, here we are in September, you're still believing. You know, you're still, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen, guys. You need to go to Home Depot tomorrow and just get a new bush. It's time. That tree that looks like the tree from the Christmas story and Charlie Brown, you know what I'm saying? Got one little limb hanging over. He ain't coming back. He's Lazarus. Well, I should say he ain't going to be Lazarus. He ain't coming back from the dead. You need to dig that up. Why? What happened? What happened to your beloved tree? What happened to my beloved plant? It froze at the root. The reason why your plants died in no other year is because the freeze was so powerful it went to the root of the tree and it killed it. Your roots matter. See, Paul doesn't play with this. What he's saying is, is the stuff you see outside here is an example or should I say indicative of what's happening inside here. You know those things we get called colds? You know what I'm talking about? Like some of you, you, you just, you, you rock through it. You're like, sniffle, sniffle, I'm good. Some of you, it's called a man cold. You're out for two weeks. You know, women, you could lose an arm and still prepare lunch and dinner and clean the house. Men, get a little cold, you're out for two weeks. I can't get up, I'm done. But how many know that it's not the cold, it's the virus behind the cold? 
right? You don't treat the stuffy nose, you treat the virus. In, it's, there's an infection that took place in your life. See, your responses, listen to me, the way you respond are the seeds popping their little head out of the soil. Anger is not the issue. Anger is just the fruit coming from the root. Let me say it this way. You can't fix the fruit until you go to the, oh, you guys knew my message. And I think in the church today, we try to fix the fruit. And that's what Paul's saying. Listen, he's saying, I got a bunch of you guys coming into the church and you're all interested in all the external things. Like you're not doing this. You're not doing this. You don't look like this. You should be doing this. And all of that matters nothing to the gospel. The gospel is above all of that stuff. You're adding it to the gospel. Now, I want to say it this way. Unkept religion has a very deep root. Now, why did I put unkept there? Because I don't think the word religion is actually a bad word. And I want to reclaim it because sometimes we hear this in church. We say, I don't want religion. I want a relationship. And that sounds good. We're like, yeah, man, that's me. I rebuck against religion. I'm a relationship dude. But let's look at the word religion. This is what the definition is. The belief in and reverence for a supernatural power regarded as creating and governing the universe. I can get behind that. A set of beliefs, values, and practices based on the teachings of a spiritual leader. So it's not religion that we don't want. It's unkept religion. It's religion when we add things to it. Let, let, let me say it this way. All throughout the letter to Galatia, Paul keeps mentioning a group. He keeps talking about circumcision. And this was known as the circumcision group. In fact, this group, they were always cutting people off. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to say that. Got to do it in the first service. Thank you, guys. Only men are laughing because that's a dad joke. Unfortunately, my lovely wife isn't here to hear it. I'll tell her later. But it's called the circumcision group. Like, think about that for a moment. How silly is that reading that in 2023? You're literally going around telling people, are you circumcised? Are you circumcised? Like, how crazy is that? But how many know that we do that today? Now, we don't do the circumcision part. That's already done in the hospital. We do the other things. We look at people through the lens of religion, the unkept religion, and we start adding things to it. It's your works. You, know, you may be going through tough things because maybe you didn't tithe. Well, maybe, maybe it's because you know, you're a Christian and you need to vote a certain way and you need to do certain things. And, you need to, and, and here's the deal. You can't add anything to the gospel. In fact, the works that come out of me are a byproduct of the gospel living in me. It's not the works first, the gospel second. It's the gospel. It's Jesus over everything. So the moment you add something to Jesus is the moment you distort the gospel, is the moment Paul comes down from heaven and says, enough is enough. And I believe Paul's doing that today. I want you to understand God is good. I want you to say that God is good. And many of you just said that, but do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? Like, do you really believe that he's good? Even when you watch the news and everything seems crazy, even when they tell you there's a new variant coming, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to talk about that next week, by the way. But here's the deal. God, I shouldn't have told you, but I did. God is good. Defiled, listen to me, defiled religion makes him look bad. 
And Paul is on a political campaign to make God the number one leader of the world. Rules only work when you know the one who wrote them. Let me unpack that for a moment. We can all say that the Ten Commandments work today. In fact, we build our laws around them, right? Nobody in here? How many killed somebody today on the way to church here? You got to, it's time to confess. Scott, would you please look around, make sure. That's a law that was instituted by God. But here's the deal. When you know the one who wrote them, you realize they're for your benefit. And now I'm not bucking against the law, but I'm actually embracing it. Why? Because it's for my good. See, as a parent... No good parent would say, listen, touch the stove. Do whatever you want. It's going to be good. Run out into the street. You'll have a good time, little Jimmy. No, Jimmy will be flat pancake Jimmy in a few moments. And what we need to do is we love people, and our kids know that we love them. So when I say don't go in the street, they're not going, why? No, they're going, because dad loves me. I know he wants the best thing for me. It's probably not good to run in the street. No good God, listen to this, because I want you to hear this today. I got this revelation this week. I heard this and I was like, no good God would create you and me and then make it impossible for us to live victorious. And if you believe that, you have a distorted view of God. If you're like, well, maybe this is my plate to bear. You know, maybe this is how it's going to be. I guess this is, my, this is my cross to bear, you know. Well, here's the deal. Why would a good God create you and then let sin destroy you? Why would he create you and not give you the tools for victory? Think about that for a moment. God's for you. He is for you. Scripture says he's for you, not against you. He wants you to succeed. Do you know that when you succeed, listen to me, this isn't a prosperity message. This is gospel. When you succeed, you make the gospel look good. When you're full of life, when your marriage is thriving, when your kids look good, when you, when you have joy of the Lord, you know what people go? I want what they have. What did they order? I want that. So when you're all frumpy and complaining and moaning, and I can't go to church, and God's always against me, and, and I, religious people hurt me. And listen, here's the deal. Religious people didn't hurt you. You know what hurt you? The people that crept into the church that were sent to destroy the church. That's what Paul would say. Listen, if you read any of the Old, in the New Testament, Paul's talking all the time about false prophets, false teachers, people creeping into the church. You don't think that's still happening today? You don't think that so-and-so person that hurt you in your last church, that maybe, just maybe, they didn't know Jesus? Or here's the deal. Maybe they actually made a mistake, and the devil came in and planted a seed of rejection in your heart. And now, 12 years later, you're starting to feel the fruit of that rejection start to bear fruit in your life. See, I'm telling you, the enemy does not like you. Paul is constantly rewarding the people. There are people around you that has been sent by the enemy to destroy the church. And I will say this, how do we identify it? Leads me to my next point. The seed of pride is sowed in every heart. Now the last message people said, man, that was an ouch message. I'm sorry, but there's pride in your heart somewhere. It, there, it, it's, it may be small, but, but my, the good news today is I'm gonna help you get rid of that pride. And I think it's going to be something we're always going to have to deal with. Because how many know that if you, ever, if you ever weeded your garden, they still come back? 
I, I put the fabric down on my, anybody know what I'm talking about? You put the fabric down, you put the mulch down, and, and, and did you know that only lasts for just a few years? Because those stinking weeds, they will find crevices, overlaps, they'll grow through. They're stronger than any strong man on the earth. They'll pop through a concrete. How did you get here? It's 190 degrees. Hi, I'm just here hanging out. I'm like, unbelievable. I'll take whatever that weed ate. That is the power of pride. And if I were to say, what is the overall arching theme of Galatians? What could I say? It's pride. Because pride is the root of religion. Pride is unkept religion. Galatians 6, verse 1. We read this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Because sometimes we look at people, we're like, I'll never do that. <laughs> Paul said, be careful. Bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing... He deceives himself. C.S. Lewis says this. He said, make no mistake. Pride is the greatest sin. It's the devil's most effective and destructive tool. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love, contentment, and even common sense. <laughs> Pride leads to every other vice. It is an anti-God state of mind. It is pride that has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. I don't have enough time to read all the scriptures about pride, but here's just the highlight one. Psalms 31, 23. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want God opposing me. I don't ever want to play a game where God's on the other side of the team. Like, that is not a winning game. And for many of us, we've embraced pride. I'm going to pose to you this, that maybe us using the word pride is out of context according to the word of God. Because look, I, the definition of pride is this, pleasure or satisfaction taken in an achievement, possession, or association. I tell my kids all the time, I'm proud of you. But I don't know if that's the right word to use because if I were to define pride through the word, this is what I would say. Pride is strongly desiring your way, your outcome, your notoriety, your power at any cost. It can, listen to this, because this is where people go, well, I don't have any pride in my heart. It can mask itself with humility, authority, wisdom, or position. Think about that for a moment. It is so intertwined, it can hide itself under that fabric, and it can look like humility. It can look like authority, but really, in the root of it, it's pride driving the person. You know it's pride when you need it, you crave it, and you build your whole life around it. The moment you believe your own hype is the moment you bought into the fruit of the enemy. And now, Pastor Josh last week said this in Galatians 5. What is the fruit? What is the fruit? This is what it says. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. You're going to notice them. 
It's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, that's Paul. Paul is not holding back. As I warned you before, I'm going to do it again and again and again. Because how many know the church forgets that those who do such things will, listen to this, this is hard language, will not inherit the kingdom of God. How many of us just breeze over this stuff? And we go through here and we go, well, let's see, man. I'm not a sorcerer, so I think I'm okay. You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't even know what dissensions are. So that's, that's fine. It's probably not me. You know, but, but here's the deal. When I look at all of these words, I can probably break it all down to a root, which I would call pride. Because the first section talks about this sensuality and sexual desires. How many know we have a whole movement calling themselves around the word pride? Because I get to do whatever I want to do and love whoever I want. And how about this, pride? Oh, that could be the source of your anger. Jealousy, oh, that's pride. I want what you have, and I should have it too. See, what I'm saying to you is, is this is the fruit. It's all linked to this evil thing that has crept into the church. And we don't hold scripture enough to say, this will stop me from inheriting the kingdom of heaven. Pastor Mark, this is a lot. I just came here to be encouraged. Well, good news, verse 22, it keeps going. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is, look at this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Look what it says. Against such things, there is no law. The law that tries to destroy you can't penetrate the spirit and the fruit that you get from it. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you want to eradicate pride in your life, you must be a tree that bears this kind of fruit. And if you don't have this fruit in your life, if you don't have this fruit in your life, you need to get around people that do. You need to change your life and make sure that you are planted by the streams of living water. Because I'm telling you right now, this is what people are looking for. They're looking for this. Some of you, I'm telling you, I've said this before, you look like you're miserable. And I'm looking at it, I'm saying, is there any joy in you? Uh, mm -hmm. No, no, joy of the Lord. How about peace? How about love? How about patience? Ki These are all things that we should have at our disposal. I love what Pastor Josh said, that you should be able to pick off the tree. That means that if I come around you and I'm deficient, maybe I'm deficient in peace. If I hang around with people that have good fruit, I should be able to pick off some peace from you. That's why for some of you, when you come here on Sunday morning, something changes. What is that? That's because there's fruit in the atmosphere. I'm telling you right now, don't disregard what happens when you come here. But the good news is you can take this with you home. You should be planting trees like this in your own home. You should have living water, streams of living water where the tree is nourished because unkept religion is pride. It's me telling God, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I think maybe we, listen, I'm blowing people's minds now, but I think maybe we need to pray differently because I think sometimes we tell God what we want him to do as opposed to saying, God, what do you want to do here? You know, I'm saying, God, you need to do this. God, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Were you around when I created nothing? I created everything out of nothing? I mean, let's, let's pause for a moment. 
Because pride creeps in subtly. Galatians 6.13 says, For even those who are circumcised, listen to this, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised the way they may boast in your flesh. These people were so hypocritical, they weren't even doing what they were asking the new converts to do. They said, we need you to do all these things. Not only are you giving your life to Jesus, but then you got to follow in all the Judaic laws. These people are like, okay, well, that's what we got to do. I mean, that's what, that's what they're telling us to do. And meanwhile, this guy over here, he wasn't even doing them. That's unkept religion. The devil had pride. Did you know that? Some of you know this. This blows my mind. There, there are three main characters in the angelic realm that we know their names of. Gabriel, Michael, and of course, Lucifer. Lucifer is what we know today as the devil or Satan. In Isaiah 14, it describes him. Isaiah has a vision. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, listen to what he said. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to Sheol or hell to the far reaches of the pit. How did pride get into heaven? If you don't think pride is strong, then that right there proves it. I don't know if we'll ever understand this. Theologians debate this. How could that enter into heaven? How could that get into a created being's heart where he was worshiping the Lord and all of a sudden one day had this revelation, I should be the one getting worshiped. I could create things. I could do things. And he was so strong. This is how strong pride is. It took a third of the angels with him. And we here in heaven, we here on earth just think, oh, we got this. Not without the Holy Spirit. Listen, everybody wants to rule the world. We see that right now. Like we think, like we think like, oh, oh, you know, these certain people, these, 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 these voices we see on the news, they're not doing anything. There are principalities and powers behind the scenes that are running the world. And guess what? Here's the good news. I was driving in the church today. I told our staff, I saw in the sky, it was this beautiful clouds with purple hues to it. And I was driving, I said, God, you did that. You are always in control. There may be principalities and powers, but none of them can compare to you. They will never rule the world, but you rule the world. And I want you to know this because the pride that gets in our heart says, I can do a better job. I can step in for God. You don't say that with your mouth, but that's our actions. By how we demonstrate the things we do. For some of you, that's why you don't tithe. I get it. 10% of whatever you make, that's a lot maybe. But here's the deal. That's pride. Because it says, I can do something with this 10% and God can't. And guess what? I can say with all certainty, with clarity, with an extensive history that God does more when I give him everything, that he does more than I could ever count for. He's humbled me. He showed me. He's constantly teaching me the ways of the Spirit. Now, I want you to hear this today because I want you to understand seeds can wait for years to be activated. We're going over. I don't know why, but here we are. Some of you are like, oh boy, nope, don't look at your watch. Because I want you to hear this today. I need, I need you to hear this because some of you, you're, you're reaping something in your actions, in your thoughts, in your deeds that was planted in your life years ago. You're trying to figure out where'd that come from? 
Where'd that bitterness come from? How, why am I so angry? What I found is the devil loves to plant seeds in kids. Just look at it. In fact, many of you, if you were to get to the root, there again, get to the root of your issue, it probably started when you were a child. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was a word that was spoken over you by your father. Whatever it is, guess what? God can heal that. The devil's okay with waiting, sit back and go, let me see. I'll wait 10 years, Sandy. It don't matter. I'll do whatever it takes. I just want that root to take form. And the longer that root's in there, the deeper it gets into the nooks and crannies. It becomes stronger. But here's the good news. God can heal and he can restore. I want to show you a picture here to activate your faith. This is a picture of a plant in Israel called Methuselah. Why is it called Methuselah? It's the oldest living Judean date palm. There's a place called Masada, if you know anything about Israel. It's a high part that King Herod had, and there was a standoff there, and they, they, they found, as they were excavating, they found this jar, and it had seeds in it. And so somebody said, let's plant these seeds. These seeds were over 2,000 years old. And with the assistance of some of these scientists and agricultural people, they actually were able to plant a 2,000-year-old seed, and it grew into that plant right there. Why am I showing you a picture of a Judean date palm? Well, because I want you to know that 2,000 years, a seed can still grow. So we can look at that from the negative, or we can look at that from the positive. That the things that you planted that God only saw will come to harvest. There may be weeds laying dormant in your life, but God's going to show you today what those weeds are so you can pluck them out. But I want to remind you, good seeds never fail to produce a harvest. Good seeds. What you plant, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. Yeah, you can come up. For some of you, you've been praying and planting seeds faithfully. You've wondered, God, are, is this even going to happen? For some of you, you've been believing for a loved one. You've been praying for your son, your daughter, your grandma, grandparent, your dad, your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your coworker. You've been praying, believing. You're like, is this going to work? It will work. The effective, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Somebody need to be reminded of that because you've been praying. Guess what? You may have a Judean date palm in your life that although it may feel like 2,000 years, like what is happening with this seed? Do you know why God had that seed in that pot? Because he wanted to show us in the natural what happens in the supernatural. That even though that seed may be there and no one else sees it under the soil, even though it feels old and we've been petitioning heaven for it, it will bear fruit. It will come to pass. And it says this, if we do not give up. For some of you, you may be on the cusp of a harvest, but you're getting ready to give up. The enemy knows. Ooh, he could sense. I don't think he knows the future. I can't see anywhere in Scripture where it says that, but I do believe he can sense when something's happening in the atmosphere. He senses breakthrough. Something's going on with those off hammers. So what does he do? He starts to put calamity around it, but they believe in the words that were spoken and the things that they prayed, and they stand on the word, and they're believing, and you're believing, and whatever you're believing in Christ... Whatever you've seeded in Christ, it will bear fruit. I remember years ago, 
when I was part of a church called Bethel World Outreach, they're in Brentwood there, and we had been part of a church plant that they had here in Spring Hill. Some of you know this church well. We're good friends with them today. But one of the things that I remember is as we were called to leave the church, I remember that season where we were just kind of figuring out what does the Lord want us to do. We were in Spring Hill and God begins to birth forth this idea of starting a church in our living room. Oh, whoa, if I only knew. <laughs> so here we are in our living room. Some of our people are here. Bob and Joy were in our living room. David and Holly were there. And I remember somebody said to me, his name was Jed. He was a good friend of my life. He said to me, he said, you know what we need to do? We need to write a letter to Bethel. Just let them know what we're doing. Just tell them we honor you. Didn't have to do that, but I knew it was the right thing to do. Wrote the letter, sent it over to them. Got a letter back, an email. Wasn't that old where we did letters, but somebody was <laughs> like, how old is this guy? Said a carrier pigeon. No, okay. But I remember hearing back and they said, we, we bless you. We're thankful that you're doing this. Years later, I'm building in the community and building friendships with other churches. I come across a good friend of mine who is the pastor of a church, New Song, planted in Spring Hill. And as we're developing a relationship, I didn't know this, but my buddy went to his pastor, Pastor Dale, who spoke here in June. And Pastor Dale is good friends with the pastor of Bethel World Outreach, Pastor Rice. So he calls him up. He said, hey, we came across this guy. His name is Mark Rampula. <laughs> I know you must know him because no one else has that name. And he's here in Spring Hill. He started a church. I heard he was part of your church. What's going on? And Pastor Rice and the leadership said, we bless them. We honor them. And we say partner with them. What I want to say to you is I planted a seed of honor when I wrote that letter. Didn't think much of it. But I wonder how the trajectory of my life would have been if I did it any other way. Because I believe this very strongly, and you need to hear this word. The way you leave a season is the way you'll enter one. And if I could sit down with every person that's bitter and angry with the church, I'd say, number one, you're not angry with the church. You're angry with broken people. Get it right. You're not angry with God. God's good. Some broken person hurts you. Let's, let's be honest. But if you don't get that healed, you will wander from church to church to church to relationship to relationship to relationship, and you'll blame everyone else until God says, enough! I want to heal this. He does it in me. It says don't grow weary. I want to tell you what the word in the Greek word weary means. It means to be utterly spiritless, to be exhausted. I believe I'm talking to some people in this room today, maybe even online. You're exhausted. You're exhausted in doing good. But let me remind you today, this is how Paul ended his letter. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, listen to me, you will reap what you sowed. For some of you, you got to clean up the heart thing. You got to get, you got to get the roots out that are bitter and broken. Bitterness, unforgiveness, get it out. Do it today. But for some of you, you need to remember this: that the seeds that you planted in love, in honor, in legacy, in your children, your children's children's children, that is because you have sowed well. And I want to say to some of you in this room, well done. Well done. Maybe it didn't turn out the way you thought. Maybe, maybe your life didn't look the way you thought it was going to look. But I want you to know, well done. Because if you're faithful with little, Scripture says he'll make you ruler of much. Amen. For many times we think that 
Planting seeds is just for, you know, pastors to do. No, it's every one of our jobs. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.